Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Joyous Journeys podcast. I'm Sharon Joy and today when this podcast is dropping is the day of my 20th wedding anniversary to the love of my life, Adam, who is joining me on this episode. Hey babe, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, No problem. I'm normally someone who sits on the other side and listens, but today I'm here going to be interviewed. This is your second appearance on the Joyous Journeys podcast. You must feel very special. I am one of the special ones. I'm the chosen one. (laughs) You are the chosen ones. Since this is all about Joyous Journeys, it's been not just 20 years of a joyous journey together. 28 years. 20 years of marriage, 28 years together. It's actually 28 years. So for our listeners, we have had a 20-year marriage and that is what we're celebrating today when this podcast drops. But we, in actual fact, are also celebrating 28 years, which isn't too bad considering we are... In our (laughs) mid-40s. Speak for yourself. I am in my (laughs) mid-40s. Uh, so it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty exciting, and um, we are or we will have had by the time this podcast drops a special vow renewal where we are taking our vows once again. Yep. Um, but I guess today I just really wanted to share the story of us and go right back to the very beginning. And um, I thought I would start by asking you what you remember of our the start of our relationship and I, I might let you tell the story of how it all began since you were there, right? Uh, I was there. Yes, I was there. So, well, 28 years ago, whilst we were both at school, yes, we are high school sweethearts, we actually, there was an afternoon I was driving home, I remember, I think you... Were, was that in the Yellow Gemini? That was, was in the Yellow Gemini days. I was driving home from um, school. Normally I'd turn right and I saw you walking up the street or half hobbling up the street. Mm. So I actually turned left and I was willing to go the whole way around, the longer way to go home. But I said, no, no, I'll go left. And then I just pulled over and said, wound the window down like a cool <laughs> dude does <laughs> and said, do you want to lift? I think there was Belle Biv DeVoe playing in the car there was, at there the time. Was, so the song was Gangsta from memory. There was. And I just said, would you like a lift to wherever you're going? I didn't know where you were going, but I said, do you want to lift? So, yeah. Yeah. You, it was quite a gentlemanly act because you knew that I'd been hit in the leg by yeah. a cricket ball that day at sport. And I, th- yeah, well, I think that my gentlemanly masculine ways are still, are still around. So, yeah. Oh, you think, huh? <laughs> no, I know they are. I know they are. Yeah. So, um, so, so that- I did get in the car, even though my parents did teach me never to get in cars with strangers. Cause at that point I really didn't know you very well. No. You were a 17 year old, did, did I drop year you? 12 people I don't later. remember I dropped you. Was it home or was it at? You did shops. drop me home. Okay, there you go. So I, I dropped think you, home. you maybe you didn't. I can't remember. Home. I can't. I know. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was home. It was home because I was going to catch the bus home that day. So I also remember. Now this might be a blast from the past for the people listening. I also remember that there was a brief encounter at the record store called Brushes. Does yes. anyone remember Brushes? Does anyone Brushes? Does anyone remember a record store? Does anyone remember? A, I think they were CDs. CDs. Yeah, they there were CDs. CDs back in the day. Yeah. Maybe there was still a few tapes around there. there. And there would have been the small nylons. 
The small nylons. So we're talking about <laughs> circa 1993 yep. um, for the kids who weren't born yet because there's probably a few who may be listening who weren't <laughs> born at that point. And that really was the start of something quite magical, really, wasn't was, it? was, yeah, and I think that at that age no one would have known. You didn't plan on meeting the person you were going to, you know, spend the mm. next 28 years of your life with and, you know, potentially the rest of your life with. So, but, hey. It's not something we planned at 14 and 17. It's absolutely not something we planned. But you know what? It's just what it is and it's been a a journey and Mm. we're still not there and I don't think we'll ever reach anywhere. Mm. So it's just continue the journey. Yeah. Should I just end the episode there? (laughs) No. (laughs) That's it, guys. That's that's all there is, folks. There's there's plenty more to the story. Mm. So, yeah. So what would you say was the next chapter? So we we went through some really interesting times because we – like we said, Adam was 17 and I was 14. So you completed year 12 that year. And, you know, we had, you know, you turning 18 and me still being quite a way off that I had three years to wait before I could go out. Um, and you know, actually on a, I guess I'd say a proper date. I think at that time we were dating at time zone. (laughs) (laughs) It It was regular dates to time zone or the mall. And even my career. You know, being was a bit mm. odd hours as a chef as well. So there was, yeah, I won't right. say challenges. That mm. I, I don't, looking back on it now, it's actually, it's just what life gave us at that time. I don't think mm. it was a challenge. I just think it's just, that's what we just dealt with. Yeah. We didn't ever say, oh, you know, I never had the feeling that, you know, I couldn't go out because you couldn't. I still did if I wanted to. And I, you know, mm. I've got it, but because of my career, I still worked a lot on later at night and that sort of stuff as well. So I was able to, um, you know, I was happy to do that. And obviously I played semi-professional soccer as well. So therefore I was yeah. training as well. So juggling it all. But that that's the first test, potential mm. test of our, our relationship was that. I can remember, I think we'd been together, you know, people talk a lot about the seven-year itch. Um, but I seem to recall that for us, it was around about five years. We were five years in and I was at uni and you were obviously, you know, more settled in your career by then, but it was a time where we really, it was a bit of a crunch point in that we realized that this was serious. We we weren't actually mucking around. Um, we knew that we were better together than apart, but I think we come to that realization that wow, like this is this is really real, mm. and um, and we we got through that. You know, we never. When, when you say an itch, it was there was no severe scratchable itch and falling apart <laughs> that you went one way or went no, the other way. No, that's It was not. Say. It wasn't that. It was just. I more think it was more like we we just realized that what what's next, and it's it's either it's either you walk away mm. and start again or this is what you want and we both realised that I think that's what we wanted and yeah. clearly it is because we're still here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was definitely hard in those early days. Um, you know, I mean, I was very fortunate that I had the support particularly of my mum who has passed away. Uh, she passed away eight years ago, but she really allowed our relationship to blossom because that was really quite a difficult time. She had copped a lot of flack about that, particularly from members of her church and, um, you know, just people who really didn't know us 
but she really stuck by us during those early days and allowed our relationship to be what it was. And it was interesting, this is obviously jumping forward years and years and years, but, you know, one of the last things that she ever said to us was she was on her deathbed, she was in palliative care and she was only a couple of days from passing away. Uh, she looked at us and she said, you two are soulmates. You are one another's soulmates. And you'll be fine because you got each other. Yeah. That's what she said. Yeah. yeah. And I feel as though she really always knew that. Yeah. She knew that from very, very early on in the piece. She could see that what we had was something very, very special. Yeah. And we also recognised and still do that we have something that's very, very special. We know that we're definitely better together than apart. So we got through the uni situation and then it was 1999 when I think it was, I remember saying to you, I do not want to be engaged before my 20th birthday. (laughs) I don't know why, but I had a thing about that. I, I said that I did not want to be engaged before that. And so you took a bit of an overseas trip. I went on a snowboarding trip with a couple of friends to Canada for a month or three three weeks of a month and then realised, you know, obviously when I came back as well that, no, when I was over there I enjoyed my time and enjoyed, you know, the, the travel and the snowboard but all I wanted to do was come home. So, yeah. yeah. We agreed that we never actually wanted to ever be apart. Yeah. So <laughs> Again after that. Yeah, I mean that's just, I think that's just how we work. So, yeah. Yeah, and then the next chapter was engagement. So after you returned from that trip, it it really solidified that, no, no, this is is definitely a thing and, I mean, we knew that. But But you're talking 99, you're talking six years we'd been together, so it wasn't like we didn't know each other. We knew who we were and you sort of, you know, decided that's what we wanted in life and, yeah. So eight years in. Yeah, no, what's that? <laughs> oh, come on, I'm you're joking. the one that's better at maths than me. So, yeah, so eight years in to 2001, mm-hmm. March, 2000, our house, we bought our house, our first house, March. We... Yeah, so you were 24 and I was 21. Yep. At the time, you were working three jobs. Um, I was. I just graduated from my teaching Work, degree. I'd, multiple I jobs was, as well. I was a targeted graduate, so I was appointed a permanent teaching position, which was quite rare at that time. And then I was also, uh, I remember a pivotal moment on the closing ceremony, the night of the closing yeah. ceremony of the Sydney 2000 Olympics. So We both worked separately. Yeah. You worked at... The games. I worked at the games. And I worked yep. at a function, a rap party for Channel 7 after the games and you came to where I was after it and then we drove home at, mm. I think it was like it was 5 so- o'clock in the morning or something like that after working all mm. night and, yeah. We were so jazzed about yeah. about everything. We were on such a high because the world was just such a different place yeah. then and we, we drove home and I can remember that that's when the penny dropped that we could actually afford to buy our first home. And that was the October 2000 and we bought our first home in the December. It was only a couple of months later. Yeah, and and then our wedding was the following March, so we moved in just three months before before our wedding day. Our kids still today laugh the fact that we tell them we had sheets on the windows. 
We did. For the first three, four months of us living in the house. Yeah, we had a brand new home that we didn't build, but uh, there were things like, um, well, curtains and blinds that didn't come with. It had grass, that was it. It had a bit of grass. No entertaining concreted areas, nothing like that. So it, it was, was just very it was, basic. It was a house. And we, we did a lot to that yeah, house, we did. didn't we? We did. We, we made some changes to it. And just as we morphed and changed our mm. life, we just changed and changed ourselves as well. Mm. 17 years we were in that home yeah. for. When we thought 17, probably at 16 years and 10 months that we'd probably never sell that house. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So That's so true. We never ever sell In that fact, house. In fact, we and told then, that to the neighbours. We yep. said to the neighbours we would never leave. 2nd of January, we're never leaving this house. It would have been the 1st. <laughs> no, it was the 1st, 1st of, of January. 1st of January, never leaving this house. And by the 26th of, someone asked us, would you sell? We said, no, no, we'll never leave this place. We love it. Love the mm. house, da, da, da. And then I by, think by the, the 28th of January, we, were, we actually had an appointment with our real estate agent. And before the end of January, we had a for sale sign getting pegged in out the front so it was very quick in the end just you know so you mm. know we're, we are people who like a goal and like are driven by goals and driven by that as well but we also you know sometimes back in those that day we actually decided to throw caution to the wind a bit as well and thought mm. you know what let's live so yeah yeah I think at the same time though we've always had that sense of being quite grounded, you know, yeah. we've always been very settled. Obviously, in our relationship, we've been very settled. I think that's, you know, we we didn't flit around. No. We had steady careers, we had steady jobs, we had, you know, our home. As I say, seventeen years is a long time. Yeah. We saw over that time many friends buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell, and we just sat it out and um, and played the long game. But it really paid off yeah. well for us, didn't it? Yeah, it did. So we just it was just one of those things that just we 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 actually bought. I won't say beyond our means because we didn't, but we bought beyond. We bought the house for the family mm. when we, we you know we had no intentions. Well, obviously it was in the back of your mind to have a family because. But we had no intentions of having children when we were just married. Yeah, no, we didn't. So therefore, we but we bought the house with the intention if we had to grow and we had children, we could. So mm. we were lucky that we didn't need to. We did that decision then when we first bought it instead of buying something smaller and then having to grow and our family grew and then we had to buy another house and then it grew mm. again and it got like it has with the caravans. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> like it's over that caravan, so yeah. Yeah. So we, during those times, we enjoyed quite a bit of tenting, didn't we? We had yeah. quite a few, um, you know, camping trips, not so much with friends, but something that we enjoyed doing and we always really enjoyed at that time. We were doing a lot of snowboarding. We yep. had some overseas trips over to New Zealand and, um, yeah, we really enjoyed that sort of a lifestyle. Lots of trips down to Jindabyne. I can remember sleeping in a uh, the closet at the Scout Hall one one weekend. Uh, we were so desperate for accommodation. We'd do anything. And just snowboard. Snowboard. Yeah, it was pretty full on. So that's what we did. We just, we just did what we had to do. In 2005, we... Had our first child. We did have our first <laughs> child, our eldest daughter, Ella. Turning 16 this year. Mm. So, yeah, that was a, yeah, that was planned exactly how we wanted to do it in life. And we were fortunate, you know, what we got given from her. She's mm. a good kid. Still is. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. All our kids are amazing. Yeah. Tell me, I, I've got a question for you. I'd love to hear about your observations of me as a mum, going from, you know, 
girlfriend or high school sweetheart to girlfriend to fiance to wife and then moving to mum how how did you see that through your eyes um well this, by the way I have no questions here, so this is going to be really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to strap in or perhaps I should leave. No, well, it's like everything you've done in your life is full freight. You don't do anything half-hearted. So you always do everything as you are. You're, you're highly planned about things you choose to do. You never go in something of unknown. So, you, you know, you obviously research what you did, a lot of reading for your own self, uh, how you managed as a parent as well you like a normal first-time mum you you know you had your ups and downs as well oh there was you know like I'd sometimes come home from work and have the baby and it's just like oh my god you know like because you know but an understanding of when you're home all day with them what it can be like as well Mm. but I don't think um you know I don't think it changed us as a Mm. relationship I don't think you know there wasn't I'm not saying left out feeling I never had that I, I, I hear people say that. I can't say it for myself. I understand that feeling mm-hmm. because it's just a different. But I also think for me as a, as a parent, I decided that, you know, there was only one physical thing I couldn't do that you could. So yeah. that was, you know, that was one of the things that I, I made a conscious effort to be that type of father that would be there's only one physical thing I couldn't do. Yeah. That's because I don't have breasts. So they could feed. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. But you were very hands-on as a father from the get-go. Yeah. And, you Consciously. Know, yeah. Yeah, consciously. I wanted to. I was, you know, I, as I said, I think it's, for me, it's important to have that, you know, for the kids to have a balance in both parents because we both offer different things, mm-hmm. you know, like even as life has taken us to 2000 and we're in 21 now, 2020 to 21 now, we both understand that we parent differently and that you things that, that you will find frustrating that I don't do is because it's a masculine side of me that will go, it'll be okay, we'll get to there at the end and you're mm-hmm. more the other side of that. And I think the long the journey of what we've come to in life, can re- things we've learned now resonate back to why we acted the way we did back in those days as well. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's stuff that we didn't know back that's then right. that we know now. Yeah. But in saying that, coming into parenthood, we were very consciously aware about our wanting to keep our relationship at the forefront rather than something that we've seen a lot of people do and that's almost their relationship takes a back step and they become somewhat martyrdom parents and and so their relationship to one another to their partner becomes secondary to their relationships with their children yep. um, which when you're partnering you know when you're in a partnership to parent children it's really important that you're on the same wavelength yeah, as, right. as often as you can but and we wanted to keep that relationship yeah. and that flame going but didn't we? but not only the one between us ourselves as well we did individual stuff as well like there's things in life that we yeah. did individually that we thought was, you know, that was important to us. Yeah. You know, I still played sport. You still exercised, danced, you know, did all that stuff as well. And I think that was one of the things that we made time for individually ourselves mm. and then also made time for us as a couple and then also made time as a family. But when we say the fact that we, we spent time on ourselves, we actually spent, like we still would spend, you know, 
17 hours a day with our kids or, you know, spend the the small amount, but we're very conscious of that, having that time for us. And still maintaining our own individual identities and identity as a couple. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So when Ella was 16 months old, we traveled to the USA and I was dancing quite a lot then, even performed at Disneyland. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that was a trip that was really a wonderful trip that we had both of our sets of parents come along with us on that holiday. It was really quite an amazing time. But, yeah, that that's just a good example of how we were able to continue to maintain our own individual yeah. vocations and, um, and, you know, just be able to have that that thing for our own identity we didn't lose that when we had children and even like for you it's not like I allowed you to dance it's it's, I'm a I'm a parent as well Mm. (laughs) there's no right or wrong in our eyes of who has to do it yeah it's like if one of us couldn't do it because they had something on and when when I say we we had our own lives we we didn't spend a lot of time doing our own thing it was very small amounts of pockets of time that we Mm -hmm. just carefully allocated so we actually could still do those type of things yeah when Ella was 20 months old, my mum was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. That right. was a really difficult time. Um, I think probably looking back there was some level of, I, I don't know whether I would say postnatal depression, but I'd certainly say postnatal anxiety. But I think every every woman would suffer a form of postnatal depression, whether it's diagnosed or not. It's a huge. That's a big call. I know. I'm not. I'm just saying. It's it's such a stressful time as a young mum, mm. as a new mum. You know, like anything can set you off. There's definitely identity changes, oh. particularly for women who perhaps had a career. Uh, you know, they weren't sort of necessarily having a hand in raising a village. Yeah. You know, if they had, um, you know, more of a career or corporate lifestyle changing to being, you know, a stay-at-home mum or even just on maternity leave, it was a big shift. But, um, you know, that was a really big shock in my life with mum's diagnosis. Yeah. And being an only child myself. You took the brunt of it all. It was was pretty big for our family. Yeah. I know that that's not something that I could have gotten through without your love and support, that's for sure. And it took us a few years after that to, I know it, it, I, for anybody who doesn't know, after that I did have um, somewhat of a nervous breakdown. Uh, I was um, medicated for anxiety and I was medicated for around about six months um, as well as needed some psychological support to come back from that. And that's something that has cropped up time and you know on the on on and off over ever since that time but it really did take quite a bit to come back from that and certainly there was almost a point where people thought that we wouldn't have another child because um, Ella was five and a half when our second child came along and people really sort of started to ask questions. And <laughs> Two years into us having... Push a little bit. Having, having one. When he, the the mm. first pressures come from when you get married. Mm. When's your first coming? And then when you have one, no one can, you can't just enjoy that one. You've got to say, when's your second coming? Mm. And then obviously, obviously with you being an only child, you know, when it goes to two years into it and we haven't had another one or you're not pregnant and then three years into it, people are thinking, oh, oh you're not having another one. And we and we had every intention of it. 
but we, we just didn't. wanted we had no intention of having it at that time because it was not the right time for us no yeah. it took quite a lot for me to come back after the breakdown and that's really the main reason why we had the gap. If someone had told me before our first child that I would have five and a half years before I had my second, I would have never believed. I would have never believed yeah. it. You know, that was never in the plan. But it was just that I felt in no fit state to even think about having oh, another you had, baby. You had enough. You had a young babe, younger child on your hands. Plus, you were dealing with your own self. Mm. Plus, you were dealing with. You, what your mum was dealing with as well. And then my grandfather took ill as well. That's right. So, so we you had, had, we had triple, layers. You have. But I think it was um, it was Pop getting sick and then passing away. That was a really, um, it was, that was a turning point, yeah. wasn't it? Because we somehow, and I don't know how, but somehow we got through it yeah. in a way that, you know, I was able to sit back and, and say, oh, I actually got through that. That was a big crisis, you know, and it really was at the time. It was a very, very difficult year. That was 2009 and, you know, we just realised that we got through it and that we'd be okay. Yep. And that that was what had us take the step to decide to have our second child. Mm-hmm. And along came Ava. 2010. In 2010, yep. our little firecracker. <laughs> well, she had middle child syndrome before she had even thought of, we all thought of her having a third. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, she's a good one. She's she's our kind-hearted soul. She is a kind-hearted soul. She's a very powerful little lady. Yep. Would you agree? Absolutely. Very, mm. very powerful. Can turn a room in a second. <laughs> <laughs> She definitely has the power to go both ways. Yeah. She's really quite a, the, a unique the, individual. The older she's getting, there's less of the evil coming out. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't I'm, know whether there's I'm, ever been evil. I'm not saying, you know what I mean. So what I'm saying is that. I think sometimes we see it at home, yeah. but I think most parents would agree that they see another side of their children that other people yeah. don't. It's quite can be quite horrifying. She's just got her, um, she's powerful. She's powerful. Mm. She's good. She's, she's good. definitely powerful. She, she's our leader. Mm. Absolute leader. Mm. Mm. I don't remember much of just having the two girls. Do you? Um, well, yeah, Ava was only a baby when I, that was 212 when I started. So she was just one and a half when I started that other crew job. Yes. And it was a, that was a challenging 18 months for me. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yes. you know. Uh, Adam was the group executive chef of a very large entertainment venue in Sydney, actually two entertainment venues technically, um, sporting entertainment venues, and it was an extremely stressful. Yeah, but my background previously to that was successfully running Mm. another entertainment venue, a very large scale one, and so it was a like-for-like role but not a like-for-like company, but that's okay. It's just mm. those things that don't break you stressful. make you stronger. Yeah. And what was really stressful it was. And, I, you yeah. know, being a, obviously for me as well, being a hands-on dad that I was, you know, really conscious of, no, I bathed the kids when they, were, when they were really small. I did that for them. I, you know, took over those things and certain things. It was hard, it was hard for me as a, a father as well to not be able to do that because mm. I couldn't do it mm. with Ava. So it was a hard one. Yeah, it was really hard. It got to the point, I mean, you were really pushed to the brink with that role. Yeah. Um, It did get to the point where I can remember one night saying, that's it, 
you know, I'm going to go back to work, back, I'll go back full time to my assistant principal's position that I was in at the time. And you, you can, you know, you can leave, yeah. but that turned itself around. Turned itself around. Um, the, the, you know, I still left. Mm. I, I stuck out a fair decent time of the, the career there and then left and then got another job and then the, the next job I had was one of the ones that just freed up a lot of time because I was a lot more. It was a fantastic a, a really job. good career job. So yeah. yeah, it was a fantastic job. I think one of the reasons I don't remember much of the girls just having the girls is probably. Was at school. Yeah, yes, but also too was that sort of that final couple of years of mum's yeah. illness. There's a bit of pre- those pressures with hospital visits and you know following up appointments and that sort mm. of stuff as well. So there was quite a bit yeah. there. We weren't trying to fall pregnant. In fact, quite the opposite. We were very aware that not the right time. It was not the right time because we felt that in 2013 we would lose mum. And I definitely didn't want to set myself up in a situation where you're juggling. I had yep. all of that going on. Yep, and we did. <laughs> and I think it might have been a slightly uh, boozy night away at uh, Emerald Beach <laughs> <laughs> uh, that um, we let our guards down possibly a little bit too much. Uh, and along came. What turned out to be an yeah. absolute ray of sunshine yep. through a horribly dark and difficult time, and I, that's our son Noah. I think his birth gave close family and friends something to look forward to in a tough time that you were, you know, that everyone was going through at that time. Your mum was very well loved by a lot of people, so mm. yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was around about twenty weeks pregnant when we lost mum. And, you know, thinking about that now, I just, I really marvel at how we came through that because I don't have any siblings. My mum had lost her brother just a few months before she passed away. Um, We, my dad's an only child. So we had other than Adam's parents and a few other family members and and friends, we didn't have a huge support network. We had a lot of love, yeah, um, a lot of love, but we didn't have people sort of, you know, there on the on the front line or in the trenches, if you like, helping us get through day to day. But somehow we did. You know, we had two young girls pregnant with another one. Um, and even actually in those last couple of months, we nearly lost, I nearly lost my pregnancy to Noah. It was actually, um, one of mum's dying wishes to go to the Easter show. And so there I was, I think I was about 14 weeks pregnant at the time. And I said, yep, I can do it. I felt well. And so I, took mum in a wheelchair to the Easter show and pushed her around everywhere and lifted the wheelchair in and out of the car and then the very next day I nearly lost that pregnancy, um, which was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I have, we've been fortunate enough to never have experienced pregnancy loss, but that experience was just so horrific um, and I just I can only begin to imagine, you know, how distraught we would have been if we'd have lost that pregnancy mm. because we knew by then that mum was really on the decline and, and we'd 
actually embraced the fact that we were going to bring new life in at, at a time yeah. when there was, you know, mum's um, imminent passing. Yeah, but as with your mum as well, we were fortunate that, you know, that we knew that it was coming. Like it wasn't like a mm. surprise. Oh, this is, you know, we knew that there was a time. Mm. You know, so it was. That's I think we had a it, lot of time to prepare. Yeah, it made it a lot easier, as easy as it can be. Mm. What happens, but it made, makes it a lot easier for that time. You know, when you see someone going through what they're going through as well, to think that, you know, selfishly you sort of when they do pass, you breathe a bit of a sigh of relief, thinking that they're not struggling anymore mm. as well. It's not It's not all about you, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you think for them, thank goodness, you know, because mm. it's it can be cruel. Yeah. It's cruel. Yeah. So that's how we ended up a family of five. Yes. And that's where we four caravans we, later. We have stayed. Well, we haven't talked about oh. the caravanning. So um let's just maybe do a little bit of a recap of that because we got our first caravan in two thousand and nine. Yeah, I'm bad on the when dates. I know when it was. Um when Ella was four years old. Our eldest daughter was four so years old. So we went old. from a tent like most people do. Mm. We we skipped the camper trailer. We went we to like skip. a smaller. We got the Jayco, yeah. the Jayco camper trailer. Yeah, but it's more of a caravan. Uh, had that had when we had Ava. Ava was eight weeks of old, eight weeks of age in her first caravanning trip. Yep. Got rid of that. Ended up getting a a pop toppy mm-hmm. pop top double bunk. Yeah. Because the, the Jayco only had two a queen bed and a um, double bed at one end. Then we went the double bunks. Then. Did we have Noah? Yeah, we did. We, that. Had, we had Noah, Noah in that, that one, and that's yeah. right. Then we obviously realised we needed three or we needed another bed. Yeah. So we got another van, and that's where we went to Tasmania in that van and travelled around in that van, and mm. we were um, up the table, up and down, yes. up and down of the table, and then coming back across the uh, Hay Plain yeah. is the another time. Another pivotal moment. Like the huge pivotal moment, I think, in our life when you're driving on a road that there's – if anyone's ever driven the Hay Plain, it's – The Nullarbor just, just is Just choose not, to stick pins and needles in yeah, your eyes instead. But the Nullarbor is 90 miles of straight road mm. and it's actually nowhere near as painful as that. Yeah. It's actually not painful I at all. The Nullarbor is really good. The Nullarbor is awesome. That's yeah. when we decided to – But the Hay Plain, we, we seem to have these really – incredible awakenings on some of the most boring drives that we've done yeah. and we've done a lot of driving. Yeah, so what we did is just decided, right, what we're going to do, we'll write a 50 by 50 list. So that particular trip that we were on was your 40th birthday. Yeah. We were doing that for your 40th and we wanted to give ourselves 10 years to, to achieve 50 things. Yeah, so what do we want to do? 50 and, things by the age of 50. And what do we want to do? What are they? You know, so we wrote our list and we actually kept our list very close to us and we didn't share it to anyone because no mm. one's interested. And then, yeah, we used to start getting people, you know, we make it do something and people would go, well, what did you just do that for? And they're like, oh. We or we'd, fi- we'd use the hashtag on our Instagram. That's right, 50 by 50. That's 50 right. by 50 yeah. and people would be like, what's that about? Yeah, so that's how, and that's how that all came about and that whole whole life transformation that happened, what was that, 2010? Exactly, 12 months later. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, 12 months after that came from that. was from January that, 2016 yeah, when right. we wrote the, the list. Yeah. And January 2017, our whole life had been turned upside down. Like yeah, we, we decided. Didn't turn, we turned it upside down. Yeah. We made the decision to turn it upside down. Just quit careers and said we out. But I think the thing is is that what, the, what writing that 50 by 50 list had given us was it, that sense of being 
in closer touch with yeah. what we, what we actually wanted. wanted. Yeah. Not, not. We'd found ourselves right. in a place where we were still very happy as a couple and don't get me wrong, we were really happy in our life yeah. but we started to look down the barrel of our next phase of life. We decided that we didn't want any more children. Yeah. We we were satisfied. We, we said no, done. three is enough because the back seat was fully loaded we're and done. we knew we knew that we would have to go to a much, much bigger caravan if we were going to have a fourth. Yeah. So we decided that three children was a great number for our family and in doing so, we really just, you know, we started to to look at what was next. Yeah, and, what, and what was next was what do we want to do in the midlife? You know, where's the magic in that? And, you know, what are we going to achieve in that those 10 years where we're doing the work of really raising our kids? We didn't have babies. You know, we wanted that 10-year gap where we had actual children to make it incredibly memorable and live really intentionally with our kids. We had adopted a philosophy up at, by that point of experiences over stuff. Yeah. So when it came to birthdays and Christmas, we were already somewhat operating in a minimalist state. So we we were inclined to not give our children so much as gifts that were physical gifts, but we would give them experiences yeah, instead. that's right. And even our holidays... When we took time away from work, we left at, you know, four o'clock or three fifty when the school bell went, and mm. spent as much time as you wanted to away. And we'd come home at eleven o'clock on the Sunday night to go back to work on the Monday. That's we really we just it, really pushed we? it. We did. We just kept yeah. on pushing it because we just wanted more of that. Mm. So in the year of twenty sixteen, actually, the things that we we ticked off our bucket list in that year was incredible. We I remember we did the Great Ocean Road. We we did the Sunshine Coast. We climbed Kosciuszko as a family. We climbed Kosciuszko. That was fun because you had to have Noah in the, the papoose thing the whole way. <laughs> uh, we explored Victoria's high country. country yeah. We did so much, and, and that, that was all was about annual leave. All well, it was a lot of it was long weekends yeah. and just sort of tacking on a day here and a day there. Yeah. We would do ridiculous amounts of driving just to hustle and get to where we wanted to go. But our, we're fortunate. Our kids are trained in the car, but I mean, we're very <laughs> trained. We're very fortunate enough though that our kids, none of them get sick. Number mm. one and number two, they just sit there. They're happy. Mm. Yeah, they're actually. I think it's a rest time. I actually think they they used to treat the car as a relaxation time. Yeah, let's have a breath. Oh. You know, we've done all this stuff because we probably pushed them to the brink. Yeah, like, well, we we, we just do. never stopped. Remember, we were Tasmania. We did Cradle Mountain in the morning and went back at night and it was mm. New Year's Eve and we were up at 5 o'clock in the morning. The kids walked Cradle Mountain, came back, we had dinner or afternoon tea, then we went back into the National Park and yeah. walked the um, the Wombat Walk and we just kept on. We just, and then we went at the night and did the – the Tassie Devil thing. Yeah. And we just kept on. That's just that's how we did it. That's how we were rolling. And I think that's why our kids treated our car as, mm. oh, I'm going to have a rest mm. today. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess it, that's a really good point because I think looking back now, that was we were just so desperate to cram so much in because it was the fear of, oh, we're going to go back to work, yeah. you know, and knowing that when we were in our regular jobs, we were – to a point we were quite constricted we lived in a we lived in sydney so you know it wasn't like we were 
you know, we're 15 minutes from from rainforest, the rainforest yeah. or the beaches or yeah. Kosciuszko or these sorts of places. There were certainly places that we could go and explore, but it was a bit more of a mission for us to go and have that kind of inspiration. Yeah, but we never let our kids, we, the birth of our kids, hold us back either. Mm. We just dragged them. Come on, guys, <laughs> you you'll be right. Not no, by but, the hair. No, but they, we, we took Ella overseas at you know 16 months, and mm. I mean that's nothing new people mm. do that now but in you know you're talking 15 years ago mm. 15 years ago it was an effort to do that sort of thing and i mean now people yeah. just do it well they yeah. did two years ago yeah not now but two yeah. years ago but yeah it was harder to travel with children then yeah. i think yeah um so it was nearly 12 months to the day yep after writing that 50 by 50 list that we made that decision to sell our house in Sydney to buy, leave our jobs. Buy a house up the coast. and We bought a house on the mid-north coast of so New South Wales. We're off travelling Australia. for we'll, we'll give it We'll give it eight months in the caravan and see how we go. Eight months. Eight months. So we left, we left Sydney on the 1st of June. Yep. 2017. Um, I went back to school the beginning of that year to work and it was day two and I said to my principal that you've got me for another three weeks and then I'm going on leave and then I'm never coming back. And my last day of teaching was my birthday, 38th birthday. Um, And when I got home, I said to Adam, I think I've just done my last day of teaching. I don't think I'll ever go back. And that was my last day of teaching. You were happy. I was absolutely happy. I was satisfied. I went out with a bang. And and then when I had come time to hand in the reins at my job, it took a little bit longer. Mm. I think that's the whole provider coming out of me worrying about, oh, what are we going to do for this and money and we've got no jobs and no career, what are we going to do? But, mm. you know, obviously you, you our house is on the market and we had to, there, a lot of things had to fall into play for us to be able to go at that time. So I couldn't tell anyone. So I was going home living two lives. I had a life at home where I was all free and we throwing everything out and cleaning the house and doing this, that and the other to get rid of everything. And then I had to go to work and just pretend like life was normal. Mm. So that was, that was, it was a challenge. It was. It was challenging because, I mean, months. you couldn't tag me, you know, put in a for sale sign on a house out the front of the house. You didn't tag me in anything mm. because you couldn't because of my work. We had to. We And at the time we didn't actually know when we were leaving. That's did right. We? So we just. a lot was riding yeah. on that. So then, mm. like, it always does. Everything falls into place. Mm. You know, you might have a hiccup there and a hiccup there, but it all eventually falls into place and it fell into place at the time. And I resigned and I it was a consultant. We drove off into the sunset. And it was good. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah. So that was for a planned trip of that time and 21 months later we moved out of the caravan. So 22 months. 22 months, okay. Tell me, what do you think the 22 months living mm-hmm. in a caravan did for our marriage? I brought us closer together as a family. It brought us closer together with the family, but you know, obviously, it challenged intimacy. Of um, you know, so was when we came back to the the region we're in now, and our kids were at school, and we had a bit more time to ourselves by ourselves. It was it was Mm -hmm. easier, but I mean, it did it did bring that challenge. You know, 
And but that's just what it was. We, you know, you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too. Mm. So it's one of those things. If you want to go out there and do that sort of thing, and you you are confined to a twenty three foot caravan with five people in it, you know, you got to make it work if you're going to make it work. So yeah. Yeah. Just in case you're wondering, it did work. Yeah, we're still here. So, but we we did have a little bit of a saying: um, "Stormy night, parents delight." <laughs> Car- Car- the family caravan community love that saying, so everyone loves it. It's always it. a popular one. So yeah, no, it's. I think it, it brought us as a family closer together, mm. and it brought us. A, I think it. I think our children have gone back to the things a bit more. Thing we need things sort of stuff. Mm. But at at that time they didn't actually care for anything. No. And I don't mean, I mean care for stuff. Just toys and objects. They just need it. They didn't want it. I remember Mm. Noah was three years of age and had a milk bottle and tied a string around and called it a dog and carted it around for two or three weeks. I think we had that thing. That was our pet dog for weeks on the road. Yeah, so, he, you know, that's just the creativity I think came out in them. They all sort of, everyone dropped their shoulders. Mm. Everyone, even all of us were able to drop our shoulders. And, I mean, it took took me a lot longer than anyone else in the family to drop mine. But once we did, I think that was, yeah. Yeah, which good. is normal for anybody wondering about travel. It does take quite a lot of time yeah. to adjust to life on the road. It probably took us three months, yeah. I would say. Yeah. It took you full three months. I was ready. I was, but even, I was um, very settled straight up. But even people still say, oh, did you, you know, people travel, do you, you know, is it, did you did you do everything you did to try and save your marriage? Was there something going wrong? I'm like, well, you wouldn't move. If you were trying to mm. save a marriage and you had issues earlier before you left, it's you a 23 foot caravan is not the place to move in if you have issues. Yeah. Because there's absolutely no getting away. And it's not all driving off into the sunset. I mean, stuff goes wrong on the road, you know. Yeah. Life, life, believe it or not, and I know that there's probably going to be people switching off right now. <laughs> there are actually days, and people in the traveling community will say this, there are actually days where you know, there's such a thing as travel fatigue. It, it kind of, it can be really yeah. tiring. And some days, even though you're seeing some amazing things and every day you're chasing waterfalls and sunsets and happy hours and all these awesome things, it can actually become really quite tiring. It is. It can be tiring. And mm. when you've got three kids in tow as well, it can be even more tiring because you yeah. don't, you actually don't get that time. Like mm. you, you, you know, when we're at home here, we can go out the backyard or walk down the beach and have half an hour to ourselves and come home. But you actually, mm. our kids, Noah was only three. Yeah. So we actually, and not Ava was only six. Yeah. So we actually couldn't go, oh, Ella at 12, there you go, you look after him. So we mm. actually didn't have that time. Yeah. So that and a was, lot of places, you you don't know who else is around. That's right. And they didn't have that time from us yeah. either. They no, never had that time right. away from us either. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. So after we spent those 22 months in the van, mm-hmm. we've been back in a house now for two years, haven't we? Yep, two years. Two years. And for the last 12 months we've been back in our own home. Yep. Um, which I don't know about you, but I have. it just brings me so much joy to be back in our own home. Yep. As much as travelling was wonderful um people say now you know do you want to hit the road again and for me it's a resounding hell no, no. I'm really enjoying being put yeah. in the one place but, but also all, just being back in our home but I think also awesome. up until you know March last year 2020 we both had traveling jobs as well yeah so we did travel well, a lot true. and so therefore that's why we're even more so mm. enjoyable that you know what yeah 
we actually can't go anywhere. COVID was the best thing for us to have to not go away for work. So it was yeah. really good. Yeah. And traffic, you know, for me now, like I said to someone, they asked me today, how do you cope from, you know, not having, do you miss Sydney? I said, you know, the biggest traffic jam I've got is dodging the kids in the, putting the um, <laughs> the dishes away in from the dishwasher, dishwasher when I'm making a coffee for breakfast. So, yeah, no, it's not at true. all. What a different life. Oh, it's totally different life. Like Our I still, life is completely different. I still pinch myself, you know, two, nearly three years in this area mm. and still pinch myself, go down the beach and just appreciate it every day. Mm. Just like I can't believe this. I still can't believe it today that I'm still yeah. still sitting so close to that and it's just so different environment. Yeah. So last weekend, I'm going to say last weekend because when this podcast drops, Oh yeah, that's our right. Our special day will have yeah. been and gone, but we we'd always this was one of our fifty by fifty things, just oh. for saying. So well, you might might want to tell them what you're talking about. Oh, our um wedding renewal, renewal. Yeah. renewing our renewing wedding our vows. vows. So yeah, that's um this was a this was one of the things mm. we wanted to do. It was on our fifty yeah, by fifty, and we thought you know twenty years coming up, let's do it. And we actually thought for ourselves that we'll just take the kids down the beach to a headland, get a celebrant, come down. We do it in front of the kids and maybe our parents, and then we maybe go out for dinner and have a have a nice afternoon. One of the local bars, have a few drinks and have some dinner, and that was it. And then we're actually out with friend and sort of said what our plans were coming up to doing, and she said, "You guys are crazy! Like what? You know, a lot of people don't <laughs> not getting. I don't know, not, not twenty having years. Our you, you know, why don't you do something? And you know, our sort of mindset was, well. Why would anyone want to celebrate with us our 20 years? It's kind mm. of a thing between us two. And she said that, you know, it's, a, it's an achievement and, you know, there's mm. plenty of people that would want to say cheers, congratulations, guys. So we just decided to turn it around and to, within the space of with her help, within, with her help, a <laughs> lot of her help. help. Thanks, Beck, if you're listening. Within the space of um, a month, three weeks, mm. she just flipped it around and then, yeah, we've got something happening. So we've got a mm. little... Little soiree planned for the weekend. We, we have had been a soiree, planning. So yeah. We have been planning this now for nearly twelve months. Really, we have been in oh, in yeah, our minds. We were going to yeah, renew but it's our changed. vows now. So, yeah, the vow renewal was planned. Mm. That was it. So, mm. and then now we're having a little um, three nights away. We are come up on Monday night. So yeah, we um, it's good. It's a good time. Mm. Very happy. Tell me. I'd love to just spend a little bit of time just talking about our best tips for a happy marriage. And I know that this is something that we mentioned earlier about always having to work on it, but we've really, you know, this approach to our wedding vow renewal has had us breathe even more life of late back into our marriage yep. intentionally, which is something that we, you know, we do often. We yeah. do check back in with how we're tracking. But this has been really, really intentional coming into this time. And so we've been doing our own bits of learning, particularly about masculine and feminine energy. And I know I've done quite a bit of talking about that um, on my Facebook page and things like that. But I'd love to know your thoughts on um, on what makes a happy marriage. He's chuckling. I don't know why he's laughing. <laughs> um, what makes it? Well, the truth is, I I think for us, what makes us is that we're very aware of ourselves as a marriage, as a couple. I think we're also, you know, one of the things we, 
I've said a few times to people is that we've got um, we were gifted our kids. Mm. We chose each other. Yeah. So I think, you know, our kid, we didn't choose our children. Our children were given to us and it doesn't mean we don't love them any differently but it's just one of those things we're very mm. aware of that. And I just think one of the other is just that um, you nearly treat each time you go out like it's a first date. Mm. I think that's really important as well. You know, you can get to the stage of we're, I'm super comfortable around you, like very really? comfortable. <laughs> but, I mean, it's one of those things. Just as that, well. It's one of those things that I think that when you do, for us, consciously make that effort, the other one might notice it and the other mm. one does notice it. And I think that's what keeps that drive for us as well. But, you know, I think that the learnings behind the masculine and feminine feminine energies is a huge part of what's super successful for us. Mm. You know, like just understanding the theory behind well, it. Oh, it is. What we've actually learned is that we've you we've been it. nailing this yeah. stuff. <laughs> We've been nailing this stuff for years without even actually knowing what we were really doing. Yeah, but I think what But we have always known that we've had something very special. Yeah, it's, it's just given us a really good understanding of why at certain times we are how we are. Mm. And even the fact that, like we said, we're fortunate enough that we both work from home. Yes. So we're fortunate enough that, you know, only, it's only this year that we've decided to block out calendars for lunch mm. and whether it be, you know, we, we just have lunch together. How much are you going to tell them about our lunch breaks? <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone about our lunch breaks. But, we, you know, if, whether it's a time that we've, you know, had lunch and we lie down and, you know, we can lie down and just zen out for a while as well. Mm. It's given that us opportunity as well. But I think one of the things that, that we do do really well is intentionally when we go to bed or, you know, when we actually spend the eye contact, mm. That that's one of the things is, you know, my obviously my you're well aware that my love language is touch mm. and I mean so for me to have you there and looking into your eyes that's an intentional part of a daily routine that we do yeah and it, it, you know and I mean really and making not, an effort for one another as yeah, well you like, know if we're you know I know that we have Saturday night as date night and that can be even right in our own lounge room. Yeah, it is. The kids so we'll sat outside often, and you will often eat, you know, in a separate area of the house to the children. Um often our daughters at work on a Saturday night these days and the other little ones might be watching a movie or something. So we set ourselves up to have a date really yeah. and it's about making that effort for one another. Um, you know, I think I know that you never have any expectations about how I should dress or look or anything yeah. like that but I know that any effort that I make in just making myself look good it ends up making me feel good yeah. and then and you, you know, really thrive off that yeah, and it's true and that's one of the things that this like we'd always done that but I think that's one of the the learnings behind what we've learned mm. is that why we are that way when we actually see that as well mm. so yeah Mm. Something that is um, I think is quite funny that we have probably done more of of late that I think is quite fun is actually flirting. Yeah. Um, it's something that we haven't, you know, we've never stopped doing. Yeah. And it does help create that 
um, fun and that level of intimacy between us that I guess I'm just going to use this word. It still has a youthful appeal to yeah. it, um, you know, because we're not we're not is, dead yet. No, you but know? the flirtiness is like foreplay, mm. in a sense. Like whether it, you know, just a cheeky, you know, wink as we're working. Someone's on a call and we're a nice smile to the other one as they're on the other side of the computer in the office. One of us is doing something, the other one's doing something as well. That that stuff is the intentional stuff that we do. Mm. That's the intentional stuff. When I say yeah. foreplay, I mean in a, in a sense of constant foreplay. Like yeah, not, yeah, it's a state of being. It is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely a state of being that we're realizing that we can maintain for much longer periods of time. Yeah, we realized last year with me stepping into full time employment, sorry, full time self employment, um, and out of employment that. I was very much in my masculine energy, which kind of turned things upside down a little bit for both of us. We both felt a little bit out at sea, but we've been able to put practices back in place this year and and even towards the end of last year to really help us um, keep a check on that. It it doesn't mean that you haven't been able to still do your role Mm. nine to five so-called nine to five roll and then i probably do it better because you, you you're in and out of both <laughs> because right. my power is in my pleasure yeah. and you know and that's the thing is when i'm plugged into when i'm plugged into my femininity and you know my pleasure then my creativity is abundant yeah. you know it flows and it, it's a whole different situation my body is less tense i'm more relaxed yeah. Um, you know, but it's also given me the understanding of I can actually assist in getting you into your feminine mm. by just doing certain things as well. So you know, yeah, and and just yeah, being present as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's been awesome having you on, baby. Thank you. Happy twentieth wedding Happy anniversary. Happy twentieth wedding anniversary to you. It's so fun doing life we, with you. It was such a great day we had. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't had it yet. Yeah, I know, but we're gonna. When you post this, it will. When we're dropping this, yeah, it'll be done. We will be um, up in the hinterland, up off Byron Bay, uh, enjoying to frogs and running water and no phones. That's all going to be. We'll be enjoying that, <laughs> and I think uh, it's it's safe to say that we are each other's soulmates. Yeah, absolutely. Mum had it right from the start. Someone told us that before we knew that, really. Yeah. Before we really thought of it, someone said it. So, yeah, but um, we didn't actually tell the story how we discovered our great 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 grandparents are the same. We have the same great 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 grandparents, and we discovered that after we'd had the third our third child, yeah. and after we'd been together for twenty three years. <laughs> so maybe that's a story for another day. That is a definite story for another day, and explains a lot about our. Pure bloods. Well, it, it does beg the question, though, what comes first, you know, nature or nurture? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, when you've got a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old that meet one another out of the blue, because we did, we didn't know each and other before we areas. started dating. You were from a different area as well. Then, you know, very quickly we we knew right from the very start, I think it was two months in, that I went to school and said to my drama teacher that I was going to marry you. and 
you know, obviously she said, yeah, right. But knowing right from the start as, you know, not even 14 and a half years of age that you were the one does beg the question. It does. Was it John English and Joanna English back at the lagoon in (laughs) In Bathurst? Bathurst? Who knows? Maybe it was. But, baby, I love doing life with you. And I do with you. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being my husband. Thank you for being my confidant, my protector, my oxygen, my everything. That's the one, my everything. I love you, baby. I love you too. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Thanks for listening, guys.